Welcome to the Sozo Church Podcast. Our desire is to see every person know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Enjoy. We pray for certain things, for God to do certain things in our life, and then we express praise based on the fact that we know, even beforehand, that he can't answer prayer. That's a doxology. It's a liturgical phrase. And this is actually titled Ephesians 3, 14 through 21 in scriptures as Paul's doxology for the church in Ephesus, okay? The church in Ephesus. And this is what it says. Paul says in verse 14, For this reason I kneel before the Father, First of all, I think you need to know this. When you pray, you need to understand that you're not just going to some far-off deity when you pray, but you're going to your father, and that he loves you, and that you're his son, you're his daughter, and you can come to your father because he's a good father, and you can make requests before him. But I think one of the things I love about this is it says that Paul says, I'm kneeling down when I pray. Now, you need to understand this about Jewish tradition. Jewish tradition in this time, when they would pray typically, typically when they prayed, they would pray standing. But the only time you see in Scripture, you see people kneeling and praying is whenever it's an intense, deep, earnest, fervent prayer. It's, it's whenever you're praying from right here, not just right here, not just a polished prayer, but it's that ugly prayer. You know, the ugly prayer where you're just crying and you're sobbing. Gabby, that was an ugly prayer. You did an ugly prayer. Thank you for that demonstration earlier. <laughs> when Paul says, I'm kneeling, here's what, here's, what, here's what you need to know about this. He's like, this is not just an average typical prayer I'm praying. I'm getting on my knees because I want this so bad for you. This, this, is, this is the place that Paul is at. He's like, I'm kneeling before the Father, verse 15, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. He says, I pray, look at his prayer, I pray that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory, look at this, to be strengthened with power in the inner man through his spirit. God wants you to be strong. He doesn't want you limping through life. He doesn't want your marriage weak. He doesn't want your finances weak. He doesn't want your health weak. He doesn't want you emotionally weak. He says, I want you to be strong. Paul's prayer is, I want you to be strengthened. How? Not by doing a bunch of spiritual exercises, but through the Holy Spirit. He says, I want you to be strengthened through the Spirit. He says this, and I love this, strengthened through the Spirit, verse 17, and that the Messiah may, look at this, dwell in your hearts, live in your hearts through faith. I pray that you being rooted and firmly established in love may be able, look at this, to comprehend with all the saints, all the Christians, what is the length and the width and the height and the depth of God's love. He says this, and to know the Messiah, Jesus' love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled, look at this, you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Look at this. This is so good. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. Can somebody make some noise? God, that's good. Man, I'm just, this is just getting me fired up. Write this down. Let me, let me just start giving you some points right now. I want to give you something that's practical. Here's the first thing I think that, that, that Paul is communicating in this that we see. First thing is this. God, I don't know why it says go, but God wants to work in you above and beyond what you can imagine. It's not just that God wants to make a difference through your life. He wants to make a difference in your life. Paul says here numerous times, he says, my prayer for you is that something would happen in your inner man. He says that, that your hearts, in your hearts, they'd be connected to Jesus. He says 
in verse 20 says that the, the spirit of God, the power of God would work in you. It's this idea that God wants to do an interior work in your life. You see, we live in a world, in a culture, where all we focus on are the exteriors. We, we care about our image. We care about how people perceive us. We care about what we look like on social media. That's why it takes us 30 minutes going through the filters, trying to get the perfect filter. We care about the exterior life. No, I'm not saying God doesn't care about your exterior life. But the way that God works is so different from religion. Religion works from the outside in, and it doesn't work. But God works from the inside out. God does, he does an inner work, an interior work. He wants to get into our lives through the power of the Spirit. It's not that we can just work on ourselves and we fix our character and we, we just begin to work up some self-discipline and become moral people and we, we, we start to change our behavior. That's not it. Paul says, the work that I'm praying for is an inner work that happens when you welcome the Holy Spirit into your life and he begins to change and transform you and make a difference in your life. He goes, that's what I want for you. Now, now, here's the thing. You, you need to just be aware of this, okay? I wrote in my notes, warning, okay? Warning, when you begin to invite the Holy Spirit to do an interior work in your life, listen to this. He's, he's, he's an incredible interior designer, okay? Sometimes he, he comes in and he goes, I don't like where that is and this is. And he will start rearranging your furniture. Sometimes he's like, I don't like that wall. We're tearing that down. Sometimes he'll come in and say, we need to gut this entire thing. You just need to know, when you begin to welcome the Spirit to do an interior work, sometimes it can be a massive overhaul. But Paul says, that's exactly what we need. And I'm praying that you would have an interior work, an inner transformation that happens to you. Well, what is that inner transformation? How, how does it happen? I, I, I think it happens um, as he goes on. He says that your heart's get connected to Jesus, and he begins to dwell in your hearts. We have this weird phrase that the church in the Western world has come up with over the last probably century about we pray and invite Jesus into our heart. It's not really a, a theological thing that you see in Scripture. This is like one of the few times Paul talks about Jesus being in our hearts or Christ being in us. Usually he talks about us being in Christ. But here, it's, it's, I think it's more than just saying, Jesus, come and live in my heart. That's a pretty cute prayer, and I think it's great when kids pray it. But I think here's what he's really saying. I want you to have an intimate, relational, knowing and experience with Jesus. He's like, I, it's got to move beyond just this cerebral, intellectual, kind of transcendent thinking, kind of approach to faith and God and religion. He's like, guys, it's got to go deeper than just your head. It's got to go to a place where your heart is warmed by Jesus. Where, where whenever you're in his presence and worship is happening, you're not just standing there, but you sense Jesus. He's touching your heart. He's, he's, he's working in your heart. He's warming your affections. He's challenging the things that you maybe have been affected by and the things that you've fallen in love with. And Paul says, my prayer is that it would move so much deeper than a knowledge of just reading theological things or just hearing some type of theological debate or having some doctrinal belief. He's like, I want you in your heart to be connected to Jesus, where you feel him, where you sense him, and you know him. It's a knowledge of God that surpasses just some cerebral intellectual understanding. This is so important that you understand this because the, the Ephesians here, where this, who this is written to in the church of Ephesus, this was a Greek culture. Gnosticism was massive. The way that they saw approaching and ascending to the divine or to deities was through intellectual ascent. And Paul says, that's just not how this thing works. 
Now listen, we should know doctrine, we should know our theology, know why you believe what you believe, but I tell you what's even greater than having just a, a set of, of beliefs and a set of doctrines and dogmas that you stick to is whenever you can say this, Jesus has changed my life. I can't explain everything. I don't know all the points of Calvinism. I can't tell you the difference between Arminianism and Calvinism and this ism, but I know Jesus and he's touched my heart. He's changed my life. I feel it. I know it. You can, you can argue and you can debate doctrine and dogmas and all these things, but you cannot argue the fact that I know Jesus right here. I know him. He's changed me. He's transformed me. And Paul says, I want that for you. Can I tell you this, Sozo Church? I want that for you. My prayer as I've been studying this passage is like in this above and beyond thing, my prayer is that you would know Jesus above and beyond whatever you currently know him right now. That in your heart, it would be connected to Jesus and that he would warm your heart. He would transform your heart. How does he do it? He does it with love. I wanted to start here because before I start telling you, hey, let's, let's give and serve and go do things out there, I think it's got to start in this place where God's love floods your heart. Because if it doesn't, then we just become a bunch of do-gooder people in our city that maybe are motivated out of a selfish ambition of just wanting to feel good by doing good or motivated by guilt or feeling bad, like, oh, I'm rich and all look at all these poor people. And I think that, that, that it, <laughs> isn't that true how, how people are though, right? We can all be like that at times. I, I, think, I think I wanted to start here because I think the greatest motivation for you and I to do anything significant with our life is whenever the love of God has so flooded our hearts where, where all we do is just an overflow of what he's doing in our hearts. And where we, where we give not out of guilt, but out of grace and out of the love of God that we've experienced in our heart. I think that's why he says this. He says, I pray that you being rooted and firmly established where? In love, not in guilt, but in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length? Look at this. This is so good. The, span, the, 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 the massive scope of God's love, the, the spacious love of God, the length, the width, the height, the depth of God's love, and that you would know the Messiah's love that surpasses knowledge. That's just that intellect. So that, look, you may be filled with the fullness of God. I love when he says the length, the height, the width, the depth. You, you know what? Uh, many of the ancient church fathers, they said this. The greatest symbol of the love of God is the cross. It shows us the height. The beams of the cross show us the height of God's love, the depth of God's love, the width of God's love. But then the ancient father said, but what is the length of God's love? He said, the length is the totality of every beam of the cross saying, there is no length I will not go to love you and to love people. Listen, if we can, if we can begin to comprehend just a little bit of that type of love, it will compel us and move us as individuals to, to just reach out to people and say, I want them to know God's love like this. We will never be a church that reaches out to far lengths to reach people with the love of God until our hearts have first been warmed by his love ourselves. And that's why Paul says, this is my prayer for you. Here's the second thing I want to tell you is this, is that I think this is what Paul is saying. God wants to accomplish with us above and beyond what we could accomplish on our own. When you look at this passage of scripture, he says phrases like this, verse 17, he says, with all the saints. That's not the New Orleans saints, okay? This is with all the saints, all the Christians. He says, we ask, we think, and he says, in the church, 
in us, all generations, forever and ever. Here's what, here's what I think Paul is saying. It's okay if you want to personalize and individualize this, this, this doxology, that God wants to do all this in me and through me. But he says, don't you forget that it's so much bigger than just you. It's with all the saints. It's with the church, not just Sozo Church, but the Big C Church. It's not just with you as individuals, but it's with all of us together for all generations. It's not a mono-generational thing. This is multiple generations. It goes beyond ourselves. It's legacy-oriented. It goes beyond just living your life for just yourself. Listen, I'm telling you, whenever we begin to see that collectively what we can do together, when we begin to really grasp the weight of that, that God together could use all of us as a, as a group of people to really transform and make a difference in this city and in the world. There's something so powerful about it. But whenever we think it's just about myself and I'm going to individualize this, you limit God. You and I actually put God in a box. As crazy as that sounds theologically, we put God in a box whenever we say, I'm just gonna try to just make a difference by myself. I'm just gonna kind of do things by myself. I, I, I don't need the other people in this room or I don't need other churches. Churches limit themselves whenever they say, this is just about Sozo Church and we're trying to build a big church here. No, we're not. Listen, this is about Jesus. This is about the glory of God. And churches are not our competitors, they're our partners. And that's why we link together with other churches like the Father's House, like Epic Church, like Reality. We do this because why? We can do more together. We can reach more people. We can serve more people for the glory of God. It's with all the saints. We ask, we think, in us, in the church, for all generations. I, I really love that. Here's what I wrote down. Hopefully this isn't, this isn't too candid, but have you noticed that at our church, we just kind of just, we just say it like it is. Like we don't really kind of hide things. We just will cry on the stage. We'll tell you about our personal struggles. Here's why. Because the people on this platform are not perfect. These people are human. And they're just like you, and we're just playing our role on the dream team in this family. And so we'll share our struggles because what I found is people are, people are impressed with your strengths, but they're really impacted by your struggles. I wrote this down, like just this idea of like together we can do so much more. Um, when, you're, when, you play, like, uh, when you play golf, uh, Matt Laborde up here, my good friend, he knows a lot about this. When you play golf and you're playing in a tournament, uh, you're always looking for the ringer on your team is what they call it. Usually you're in pairs of four and you wanna have at least one guy that's like, or a girl that's an amazing golfer that's gonna make your team better than all the other teams and that person's called a ringer. So really the team is built around the gifts of this one person, the abilities of this one person. When you're playing cards and stuff like that, they have the well that comes into the room, right? It's like the person that's got all the money, the big, the big you know, so wells and ringers. You know, I was thinking about that, like, I never want us ever to be a church that's looking for wells and ringers. Here's what I mean by that. I never want our church to be built around the generosity and the sacrifice or the resource of one individual or a small group of people. I actually think it's one of the most unhealthy things as a church. Now, if you did win the lottery, you can feel free to give here, like we said. But, but here's, what I think, here's what I think the better expression of the church of Jesus Christ is. Look at Acts 2, 42 through 47 when you get a chance. All of them together. All, it was shared responsibility. It was shared sacrifice. It was shared generosity. It was looking at what I have. God's not gonna hold me accountable for what you have or what you're supposed to give, but I look at what I have. I look at the gifts that you've given me. I look at the resources you've given me. I look at the opportunities you've given me, and I just wanna steward what you've given me, and I wanna do my part. I wanna I want be a contributor uh, and just play my role and do my part. So as a church, 
I, I look at that and I'm like, that's what I want for our church. I pray that we are never built on the gifts and the talents of a few, on just a couple ringers or wells. I pray that you and I, as a church, that we look across, we go, you know what? I can't do everything, but I can do something. I can't serve every weekend, but I can serve one weekend. I can't go to every outreach, but I can go to some outreaches. And that together we can do so much more than just one or two people. My prayer is that you and I, we would lock arms together as the body of Christ and as the family of God, this local expression. And we, and we make a commitment to say this, you know what? I can't do everything and nor should I. But together, all of us together with the power of the Holy Spirit working through our life and the love of God flooding our hearts, we can, we can reach our city. We can reach our community. We can reach Bayview. We can reach Mission. We can reach Noe. Come on, if you believe that, why don't you make some noise? Yeah. Here's the last one, and, and, and we, can, we can begin to wrap up right here. Uh, God wants to use our lives above and beyond simply living for ourselves. And I've kind of already touched on, on most of this, but, so I won't, I, won't, I won't belabor it, but here's what he says, and here's what I mean. God wants to use our lives above and beyond simply living just for ourselves. He says in verse number 20 here, now, look at this, now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, look at this again, to him be the glory. I, I'm telling you that if you wanna see God do some great and powerful things in your life, then live for his glory, not yours. I, I think that we live in a generation and a world, and I'm guilty of this myself, where all too often we live for our own glory. We live to make our name great, not his name great. We live to build a great portfolio. We, 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 we live to get the next big promotion. And all those things are benefits and blessings that can come from God. I'm not saying God doesn't wanna do that in your life. But I think we get really off-centered when we begin to live our life really for our glory and for just our benefit, and life just becomes about us. The psalmist David said it, and I think Psalm 115, he said it twice. He said, not to us, O Lord, not to us. He's reminding himself, it's not to us. It's not about us. It's never been about us. But to your name be the glory. To your name. It's, listen, even as a church, I pray that people, they know that our church is in this city, but more than that, my prayer is not that we make Sozo Church a famous name in this city or throughout this earth, but that Jesus becomes famous because of what we do, that he gets the glory, that he gets the honor, not our church. There will be times in our life when God uses us and, 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 and like we just remain like this ninja, just totally like drift, to, you know, fade to black. No one knows who we were and we just get to bless people. I, you know, I think about this. This Thank you, Holy Spirit. Stephen, when you look at the, the, uh, the, 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 the book of Acts, this guy's Stephen. No, not Stephen, Philip. Philip goes and uh, one of those guys, it was Philip. Uh, Philip goes and he, he, he comes alongside. God calls him to leave the comforts of the ministry that he's doing in this one area. I think it was in Samaria. And it's just booming, like God's blowing this thing up. It's just unbelievable. He says, I want you to go down towards Gaza. Go down south, and there's just one person. How many know that God will call you sometimes to leave everything for just one person? You know why? Because of the cross, he will go to any length to reach one person. We change the world by serving one person at a time, right? And he calls him, and he goes, okay, God, I'm going to go. So he starts going, and he starts walking alongside this Ethiopian that's in a chariot, and he's sitting there, and he's got questions about God. But he doesn't know. He doesn't understand what he's reading in the scroll of Isaiah. And so Philip just comes alongside this Ethiopian. He's like, hey, what you reading up there? And the guy's like, 
I'm just reading some stuff, and I don't know what it's about, and it's book, book of Isaiah and prophet Isaiah, and I don't really understand this. He's like, oh, okay, I, I could explain some of that to you. Then the guy invites him into the chariot. I found that your life is so much more impactful whenever it's invite, when people invite you in, when you don't force your way in, right? Um, and he invites him to get in the chariot with him, and then he begins to unfold who this, this prophecy is about. It's about Jesus. The guy, his heart is warmed by the love of God. He says, I want to be a follower of Jesus. And then he says, I want to be baptized. And Philip's like, cool, there's a puddle of water right over here. We don't even have a baptismal tank with a heater on it. Um, but we can, get, we can get into the puddle. They jump in the puddle. Boom, he, he baptizes this guy. And I don't even, listen, guys, I'm not even going to act like I understand fully what, how this happened. But the scriptures say that when the Ethiopian's like wiping his eyes and he's drying off and everything, he opens his eyes and it says that the Holy Spirit took Philip and just like he vanished, he disappeared. Like he just like, I don't know if it was like, beam me up, Scotty. I don't know. Like he disappeared, <laughs> Star Trek. I don't know. But, but here's why I'm thinking about that. I think that it becomes so beautiful whenever we can be used by God and we can just disappear and we don't get any of the credit. And, we'll, and, and why? Because it's not to us. It's to him. It's to his glory. When you, listen, here's why I'm telling you this. If you, you and I can make a commitment and say, you know what? I'm going to live my life for the glory of God, not for myself, and truly mean it, and then begin to do that. You look at your life. Look at my job. God, how can I, how can I work at Reddit or at Facebook or at this school as a teacher? How can I do that for your glory? Show me how to do that for your glory, Jesus. Not for my name, not for a paycheck, but to make a difference for your glory, God. God, I, tell, I look at my money. I look at my resources, and you have blessed me. How can I use this for your glory, God? God, I look at my ability to, to draw or to create design or video. I, I look at this. How can I use this for your glory? When you do that, your life becomes like the song we sang earlier, like a vessel. And God pours his power through your life, his blessing through your life, his grace through your life. You become like a vessel for your life to be poured out for others. That is what ministry, and that is what making a difference is truly all about. Elton, why don't you come up here and I'll, I'll finish up. Um, I, I, I just wrote these simple things down here um, as I was praying last yesterday morning. Or, yeah. And, and I thought about the phrase above and beyond. And I begin to think about my own life. I know that there's more. and I know God's going to do more. But I just started to survey and look at my life that has passed. And I thought back, I was, I was born in a town called Bogalusa, Louisiana. There's more cows than people there. Bogalusa, like the, the star attraction of Bogalusa is a paper, paper mill factory, which makes the air quality terrible. And it smells like sulfur or something else we won't talk about. You know, it's, it's I mean, God bless Bogalusa and the people that live there. There's somebody that's called to pastor them. Thank God it's not me. But I was born, I was born, I wasn't born in San Francisco. That sounds so awesome. I was born in San Francisco. I gotta say I was born in Bogalusa. That's terrible, born in Bogalusa. At least it wasn't Bunky, Louisiana, but it was, it was Bogalusa. I was born in Bogalusa, Louisiana. Now, I, I feel like we grew up and there were times when God's blessing really financially we had nice things, but there was a lot of time. If my mom was up here, she could show you. There was a lot of time we were poor. Like we were po, okay? We couldn't even afford the O and the R, po, okay? We were so poor. 
Lived in a tiny, for, I remember we, for 14 months, we lived in a 16 foot travel trailer because my parents just, they, they gave up. They said, you know what, we'll give up our house. We'll leave everything to go and reach people with the gospel. And so we traveled around in this little, little trailer and it was, it was terrible. I hated it. It was so small. It was, it was like, but we had a lot of fun, but it was bad. I wasn't the most academic person. I failed every type of mathematics course. I failed it every single year. And I was so bad, I got kicked out of homeschool. <laughs> kicked out of homeschool, failed every mathematics course, went to summer school every summer. And I'm not that smart. I'm not that academic. I'm like, I don't have a bunch of academic accolades. I don't have a, like, he's Dr. So-and-so and PhD this. I don't have any, I don't even have any honorary doctorates. I don't, I don't have all that. I have, I don't have, I don't have all that. I'm, I'm not the most eloquent communicator. I'm not the most gifted person. But when I look at my life, the things I've been able to be a part of, like when you think about some of the stuff we've been able to be a part of, like it's above and beyond anything we ever prayed or even asked. It's above, like the miracles we've seen, Jennifer, the, like, the people that God's used our lives to impact. Like when I look at it and I think back, I'm like, God, you are so amazing. You do above and beyond. And it's by your power. It's by your grace. It's by your doings, not ours. And it's not to us. Because it's, because it's through his power, he gets the glory. My prayer for each and every one of you over the next few weeks is that God would do this. This is my prayer, that he would stir up your faith to believe that he is able to do above and beyond in your life. Some of you, I told our dream team earlier that I'm not praying for a miracle for Jennifer and I in this, this collection of talks. We, we, had a, we had a time where we did something like this at a church nine years ago. And it was, it was, I don't remember the name of the teaching collection or series, but it ended with something called a miracle offering. And the whole idea was just like what we're doing. Let's all come together and, and go over and above or above and beyond our tithe and our normal gifts. And let's give, a, a, give a, a, the biggest offering we can and use 100% of it to go and to reach people. Use 100% of it to reach people with the gospel and to serve the poor. And I remember the pastor which serves as one of our overseers, standing up and saying, now here's what I want you to understand. He was like, when we give, we're not giving and saying, God, we're gonna buy a miracle in our own life. He was like, that doesn't even work. That's prosperity gospel. That's terrible theology. However, he said this, I believe that whenever we say, God, I'm gonna go over and above and I'm gonna make a sacrifice so that someone else can have a miracle, that God honors sacrifice like that. And so he said, so I want you to pray over the next few weeks about, about God using you to be someone else's miracle. And whatever it is that you're believing for, I want you to pray about that and say, God, I'm gonna believe for them, but I'm gonna believe that you're gonna do a miracle in my own life. And Jennifer and I, we, we in that time, in that season, we were told that we, 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 we didn't think we could have kids. And we had some challenges and different things, and it was a very hard season for and uh, I remember at that miracle offering, I'd been thinking about it for weeks, just saying, God, why, why, why can we not have kids? Why are our friends having kids right now? Why are all these things happening? And, and this is the desire of our heart. And I say, God, this is the miracle that we want. We want a miracle of, of a child. 
and we're going to give the greatest offering that we can. You know, our offering was like 80 bucks because we, we, you know, that, that was massive for us at the time. And I remember we were holding hands with that 80, like 80 bucks in our hand, just weeping and crying at this altar. And this is what we said, God, we know we can't buy a miracle, but we want to give for someone else's miracle. And we're going to give in this offering so that you can use it for your glory and to help people. But here's what we're asking for you to do. God, in faith, we believe that you are able to do above and beyond, not just with this offering in people's lives, but in our lives. And we ask you for a miracle. We felt the presence of God and we left from that moment. And I told Jennifer, I said, babe, listen, do you have faith that we're gonna have a miracle? She said, yes. I said, well, you know, faith without works is dead. So you know, we, we gotta do our part and let God do his part. <laughs> Somebody said, amen. And, uh, and I, right now in Sozo Kids, there's a miracle named Liam that's running around. And we didn't think we could, we could see that miracle, but we've seen that miracle. Now we have Nixon and we, another miracle. To him who is able to do above and beyond, above and beyond, whatever you can ask, think, or imagine, whatever you... Whatever miracle you need right now, I'm telling you this, church, here's what our prayer is for you. We're not praying for a miracle for us. We're praying for a miracle for you and for our dream team that God would show himself powerful. And whatever miracle you need, healing in your body, a breakthrough financially, restoration in a relationship, that he is able and he will do above and beyond. Amen. Thanks for listening. Join us each week on the podcast or live in San Francisco, California. Keep up with life at Sozo Church by following at Sozo Church SF on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a great day.